Get started. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in again. Hopefully, we won't have to do this from now on. We'll just be able to come together in person one day very soon. I wanted to say thank you to everybody who decided to keep me around for a little while longer. I'm looking forward to seeing what God is going to do in this church, in this community through us. And uh, it's, it's just going to be awesome to be able to see what God has planned here. You know, I, I have a favorite verse that I go off of a lot. It's from Psalm 127. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. And unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. In, and, and I just love that because it, it shows me that God has a plan for us. God is making something here. And he's watching over it. And he tells us where to look and what to pay attention to. And, and, and he knows better than any of us what this needs to look like. And he knows how it should be made, and he knows how to maintain it. And so it's vital for us to uh, follow his plan, his plan, to place ourselves in a posture of listening and learning and then doing what he wants. This is his vision for the church. He has a plan. He has a vision. It's our job to learn what it is and then follow it. So let's pray for, for that today. Lord Jesus, we pray for ears that would hear We pray for eyes that would see what you want us to see. We pray for courage, Lord, to apply what you show us today. I know it is in your heart to, as you unveil your will to us, that we would apply it to our lives, that we would act upon it. So, Father, we pray for great courage and strength by your spirit to do these things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I hope when you saw, when you popped on today, we're going to be wrapping up Luke chapter 6, we'll be in verses 39 through 49. We've been going slowly through this whole chapter because it's, it's Jesus' first major uh, teaching moment with his disciples and the crowd of people that were there to be healed by him. And we've been going through it slowly because we need to understand that this is the vision that he's laying out for, for his followers. This is what he wants. This is what he expects to see from those who are followers of his. And these were some of his words at the beginning of chapter 6. He says, God's blessing is yours when you're hated and when you're persecuted, when you're excluded and insulted and rejected because of your relationship with Jesus. He says, be happy and know that God sees this, what, what is happening, and he'll reward you for your faith and for your loyalty. And he also says, you're a true son of God. You're a true daughter of God when you are loving your enemies. He says for us to bless, even though we're, we have been cursed. He says when we're, strike, when we're struck on one cheek, to turn and offer the other as well. And then he also says to lend, expecting nothing back. Generosity has more value than repayment or interest. And God sees when we're doing all these things, when we lend, hoping for nothing in return, and he will reward us for our faith and our loyal actions. And then last week, we covered the issue of forgiveness. He wants us to be gracious people, not judgmental, not self-righteous, forgiving. His instruction to us is to forgive and forgive every time. The good news is Jesus literally does this every day. He models it for us, and he especially modeled it on the cross. And he wants us to apply all that teaching to our lives 
to actually live them out as a reflection of who God is. As you think about what he's been teaching, loving your enemies, lending with hoping and with nothing in return, these things may sound crazy in the world's eyes, maybe even a sign of weakness, because the world teaches us to control, to manipulate, to store up wealth for ourselves, to come out on top, not allow others to take advantage, right? And then grace and mercy are an add-on, maybe. It's not of something that one in the world would practice first. So the world teaches us and encourages us to live one way of life, and here Jesus presents to us a way of life that's entirely different. And what he's going to do as his conclusion of this teaching is he's going to do... a few parables back to back to back. These are like Proverbs. They're meant to be pondered, and and I'm not going to be able to spend a ton of time on them, but I want to cover the the picture as a whole. I want to get a bird's eye view of, of his whole entire speech as we wrap up with these parables that he says. So Jesus is presenting to us a way of life that's entirely different than the world's perspective. What I want to, I want to, way I want to approach this is Who knows better, the world or God? Who actually sees the vision of life? Who knows how life is supposed to be, the world or God? Jesus says in verse 39, chapter 6, Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings up the good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings up evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. And he concludes with this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, And do not do what I say. I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. So we've got this whole teaching of Jesus. So what I want to ask is, what can we infer from this teaching? What do you think Jesus' goal is in saying all this together? Upon hearing this, at the end especially, it makes sense to me as a listener. It, makes the right, it seems like the right choice to, to be the one who puts Jesus' words into practice, right? We want our lives to be strong. 
when the storm hits. We don't want to come crashing down. Jesus' goal is he really wants us to believe in his vision and apply it. He really wants us to live it out. He knows better than any of us. Do we really know better than Jesus how life and eternity works? How much do we really see and understand? The one who sees it all, the one who knows the big picture, is God. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who's fully trained will be like his teacher. We need someone who sees to follow. We need someone with sight to lead us along. We need to be taught by someone who knows. God is the leader. God is the teacher. It is the spirit who convicts us and shows us where we are in error. And it's the spirit who leads us in righteousness. And the things that Jesus wants us to be fully trained are the things that he was talking about earlier in the chapter. Enduring trials, becoming loving, even loving to our enemies. To be trained in generosity, especially being generous with our forgiveness. Forgiveness needs to be coming uh, first in our lives not an add-on. These things that Jesus has been teaching us these past few weeks are the foundation of the life that Jesus wants us to live. Verses 41 and 42. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you fail to see the plank in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. This vision that Jesus is casting is meant to be a group effort, okay? We are meant to be in community together. We are designed to be in community together. And so in terms of helping one another accomplish this vision... It sounds like Jesus wants us to be careful, to be humble and gracious towards each other, right? Because this this parable, this proverb perfectly illustrates someone who who can be self-righteous or judgmental and condemning to others, someone who points out small problems in others while failing to see their own big problems of pride. How can we instruct anyone in the Lord if we have unforgiveness in our heart? Worry about that problem first. Then we can, and, and, be, and be shaped, be taught by the process of, of dealing with that and allowing these things in our lives to be brought out. Then we can start showing others the way, right? If we have these unresolved problems, if we have major things in our lives that have not been dealt with yet, in the Lord, we cannot start pointing out other people's problems first. That's hypocritical. And Jesus says, if you're practicing that kind of thing, you're blind. First, deal with your problems. Then you'll be able to see clearly to help others walk through their problems. And each tree is recognized by its fruit, and each person's heart is recognized by their fruit. No good tree bears bad fruit, and no 
bad tree bears good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. We don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good that's stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings up evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks. That word, that term stored up, being stored up, comes, comes to the surface in this parable. What do you think it looks like to store up what Jesus has been describing in your heart? What does it look like to put it there, to save it there in the heart so that it becomes our default, so that it becomes like a reflex, so it flows out of our lives? We hear the teaching, and it enters into our brain, and it takes a while for it to go from our brain into our heart. It actually takes practice. Jesus invites us to put these things into practice And we can do that because of who God is. God is merciful. God is gracious. God is kind. When faced with an opportunity to also be merciful and kind, act upon it. Put it into practice. Take a step of faith and do it because you love Jesus. You've been loved by Jesus. Do it because you trust Jesus. You trust his words. Do it because you want to bring honor to Jesus. We do it because we declare here in this church that Jesus is Lord, right? He is our God. He is the one who is leading us. We want to live according to his values. And so we want our works to now line up with our faith because our faith is more than just words. God sees and God knows when we're only giving him lip service. He concludes this whole teaching time with the question, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Or another way he could say it, how can you call me Lord, Lord, and then not do what I say? I will show you what he is like. But he who comes to me, he hears my words and then puts them into practice. So that they flow out. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came and the torrent struck that house, it could not be shaken because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not do what I say, does not put them into practice, is like a man who built the house on the surface, on the ground, without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed with a thud, and its destruction was complete. What he is saying is doing these things that Jesus just got done talking about, actually putting them into practice means that Jesus is your Lord. If you do not put into practice these things that Jesus just got done talking about, Jesus is not your Lord. Applying his teaching... Your heart is being rooted in the Lord. You're solid. You're firm. Not applying his teaching is like building a house on just the dirt without a foundation. You're destined to fall apart. A life of only confession, Lord, Lord, without obedience is without substance. A life of only confession without obedience is without substance. 
This idea is described throughout Scripture a lot. We human beings have a hard time putting into practice the things that God says. So we make declarations, but God is waiting to see if our words line up, if our actions line up with our words. In James, he says this, What good is it if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? And later in the same chapter, James 3, it says, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And he compares it with the body without the spirit. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is also dead. So this applies, this idea of putting action into our words, into our declarations, having faith and deeds that align, applies to us individually, each one of us, but it also applies even more so as a church. The church is at its worst when our words and actions don't line up. If our declaration as a church body is God is love, God is gracious, God is forgiving, but our actions are judgmental and bitterness dwells in our midst and our words of devotion then mean nothing. The church is at its worst when all we're doing is pointing out each other's faults, right? Or or if we declare God loves the poor, God cares for the needy, but we do nothing, to participate with that, our words actually condemn us. God's dealt with this before. He says in Isaiah 29, these people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And in 1 Samuel, it says, to obey is better than sacrifice. So the church is actually at its best when we are putting into practice all these things that Jesus has been talking about. God desires to see us do these things. And in order to do these things, it takes steps of faith. We need to trust the Lord that it's going to work out. No matter what trial we face, because we are obedient to God, it's okay. Because we want to honor God with more than just lip service. We want our faith and our deeds to align. You know that the Friends Church actually got their name from this idea? In John 15, Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And that's where the Friends Church got their name, friends, from that verse. And it's the idea of people, of being people who walk the talk. And the command, if you look at this whole package, this entire package overall, the the biggest emphasis on this entire thing is the thing that God wants us to do the most, is love. Love needs to be the dominant characteristic of a church. God is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And if we have not love, we are nothing. We've missed the mark. And Jesus has been very specific here about what his disciples need to have as the foundation of their life. Love, even when persecuted. Love, even if it's your enemy. Love, as expressed in mercy and forgiveness. And to apply this means we'll have to dig deep into Christ. 
trust in his word and allow God to dig deep into our lives and to keep on digging until there's solid rock. And then he has something to build on. The foundation of our life, the foundation of this church needs to be built upon love. If the foundation is bad, the whole thing falls apart. And the kind of love that Jesus has been describing for this entire chapter is a radical, sacrificial love, the kind of love that he gave us. And it's the kind of love he expects us to give one another and to those who need to hear the good news about the Lord. There is a cost. But I'm sure any of us who have applied his words and teachings have experienced the cost, but they've also experienced the reward. Let's pray. Father, I'm aware that many of us have things in our heart that need to be dealt with. I pray you give us courage to allow you to dig down deep into our soul and to bring those things to the surface to be healed by your love so that we can share your love and forgiveness with others. Help us to love those who hate us or are hurtful towards us or who have been hurtful towards us Help us to love them. Help us to forgive them. We love you, Lord, and we do want to bring honor to your name. We do want you to do a mighty work in and through our lives. Help us to have the courage to apply what you have told us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I leave you with this benediction from John 15. Jesus says to his disciples, my command is this, love each other. As I have loved you, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So let's go now. Let's go be the church. Let's go be who God is calling us to be, and let's go do what God is calling us to do. Ready, set, break.